Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today in the show, well, it all comes down to this. The Lakers are down 3-0. They have a home game tonight. And it's really going to be interesting to see what their approach is here now that their backs are officially up against the walls. The wall? The wall. Just one wall. To the window. So the Lakers uh, obviously have had some missed opportunities over the course of this series, right? Uh, you had the crazy comeback in game one that, you know, really felt like maybe the Lakers found something there with the Rui Hachimura thing, which, by the way, they kind of did. Um, they uh, then, you know, in that one, just kind of ran out of gas there at the very end. Denver takes care of business in the clutch. Game two... The Lakers led most of the game, felt the whole way like the Lakers should be building a bigger lead than they than they did. Denver hung around, hung around, hung around, and then threw like seven haymakers in a the row there in the at the end of the third quarter and certainly in the fourth quarter, and they win game two, right? And after game two, you're like, man, your margin for error here is really whittled down. Then game three, the Lakers uh, come out slow and try to get back into it. But for the most part, it was like a, you know, they, they, they gained a lead at one point. I think they had a two-point lead, maybe three. But for the vast majority of the game, felt like they were playing catch-up and hanging on to the tail of the Tiger. Denver really throws those same haymakers that they did in that in the fourth quarter and you're down 3-0 and going into this one if there ever was any notion of margin for error it is gone it is just survival now and it's like I said it's going to be really interesting to see how the Lakers handle this because uh, you know they have played games that they have felt like they needed to win right um, games one of both the previous two series, they, they played that one seemingly to win. Uh, frankly, both of the two for uh, all three of the games to this point, you've, they've mostly played and, and coached to win, um, but didn't. Then you had like both home games and in, in the previous two series that the Lakers again did enough to win. And, and then obviously they closed out those series, but, um, this is the first time that the Lakers have to operate with real desperation and real, you know, you know, there is no time to mess around with feelings here. And that's, what's been kind of frustrating about the conversation about D'Angelo Russell is 
is, yeah, Darvin Ham wants to get him going. The Lakers don't want to lose him, all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, let's not overthink this. You have to start Rui Hachimura. You have to start, I think, uh, Dennis Schroeder in, and uh, you have to play your your best five guys at the same time. Now, maybe if you want to get a little creative here, you start Lonnie with Austin and Rui and LeBron and AD, and that allows you to have a little bit more punch off of the bench or whatever. But yeah, the notion of caring, frankly, about how D'Angelo Russell might feel about coming off of the bench, who gives a shit? <laughs> Your season's on the line. So that's going to be really interesting to see how Ham, who to this point has been able to and has done a great job of uh, keeping everybody still involved and engaged by way of maintaining a consistent amount of trust. This is the first time, though, where it's felt like there are some guys here that he doesn't necessarily trust. Um, and, and, and unfortunately here, you feel that the most with their $30 million a year point guard or lead baller or whatever he wants to call himself. So D'Angelo Russell here right from the get, you know, I thought starting him was a mistake in the last one. And I for damn sure thought bringing him uh, back in with the starters at the start of the third and then again, starting him at the beginning of the fourth, like your season is on the line. There's no more. Let's see if we can get this guy going. He's not going to get going. And if he's going to get going, then he's got to do so now on his own terms. Uh, he's got to figure out a, a, a smaller window where he can maybe get it going a little bit. But until you actually see that, you tangibly feel that, then nope, it's not a D'Angelo Russell series. Um so that's going to be uh, fascinating to watch. Also fascinating, what are you going to get from AD? I want to be clear here. Uh, I still think that the every other day AD thing is really stupid, um, and it lacks a lot of context and nuance when it and 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 just like ignores one half of the court. Um, and and I think with with AD what. We have seen from him on that side of the court, the defensive side of the court, has been special for all but maybe one or two games. And, you know, I Rui deserves a lot of credit for defending Nikola Jokic the way that he has. Uh, LeBron James deserves a lot of credit for the way that he has defended Jokic as well. But those guys are only able to be effective on Jokic by way of what uh, Anthony Davis brings to the table uh, as as a help defender and occasional you know collapser and and he closes down uh you know windows that that Jokic could squeeze passes into when he's being doubled um and look the I think uh, the major difference here between the Warriors and the Nuggets is the Nuggets have a lot more size and they look a lot more comfortable attacking the rim even with AD there whereas you know, Memphis did not do that, and Golden State did not do that. Uh, Golden, or Denver, again, to their credit, has really still fairly relentlessly attacked the rim. And, um, you know, what AD and what the Lakers are going to have to figure out a way to do is, is to try to stem that tide a little bit. So that's going to be interesting here from AD. And look, 
even while I acknowledge how special he has been on the defensive side of the ball, you do still like you win. They they don't tally up stops at the end of the game. They tally up points, and you know I think the Lakers are really going to need a special AD game. They're going to need a special LeBron game. Denver, like so far in this series, whenever they have like you know smelled blood in the water, they have really gone to work and right now in terms of the series there's a whole bunch of blood in the water so you know that they are going to come out and they are going to 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 play to end this thing quickly i also think they want to send a message right they denver is going to want to send a message here to the rest of the league you know as they have bought into this whole notion of them being the underdog in a series that they were literally not the underdog um they are going to want to end it quickly and, and, and ending it in a sweep ends all of those conversations. And so that is going to be, you know, something to really pay attention to here. And that is going to be something that the Lakers are really going to have to uh, deal with. So that is going to mean LeBron AD. Look, you, you got us here, right? Uh, You know, or, 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 or we are only ever going to go, in these kinds of situations, as far as you're you're willing or able to take us, more a- able, I think they're certainly willing to win this game. But but able, right? LeBron, we still haven't seen the like thirty five plus game with you know fifteen assists and nine rebounds or whatever. Like we haven't seen that. Uh, we haven't seen from AD. Like we saw the forty point game, right? And yet they lost. So we're still with, and, and I think he had another big scoring game earlier these playoffs that again, they lost. Um, we also just haven't seen AD. Like we've seen LeBron in some spots look like, you know, pretty physically there, uh, even despite the foot thing that he is dealing with. We still haven't really seen much of AD physically imposing his will in this series on offense, you know. I remember back when AD could have those skyscraper dunks that just absolutely awestruck anybody who was who was watching it, right? I remember when he was capable of doing those things and you know there's a lot of people when I when I posted a clip of Bam Adebayo's dunk that I like made me think of, "Hey, what was the last time I saw an AD dunk like that?" Um there's a lot of people who were making the excuse of, "Well, you know, he gained weight and that lost some of his explosiveness. And, you know, he's not really all, you know, he hasn't been healthier forever and, and all that. And look, nobody is healthy right now. Nobody, nobody feels a hundred percent. This series is an every other day affair. The, the nuggets, you know, have played in, in just as, as tough a stretch here as the Lakers have, you have to will your body into doing some of those things. And, AD does have incredible touch around the basket and and he is one of the more skilled finishers that I have ever seen at his size. But you know it's a a higher percentage shot than even the floaters and and all that stuff that AD will will sometimes take. Dunks. Dunks are a pretty high percentage shot and and we just haven't seen enough dunks from him in this series. So that is going to have to change and and uh you know, I think he's really going to have to send a message, just like Denver is going to be out to send a message, uh, you know, by sweeping the Lakers. If AD just goes out there and has the kind of game that everybody 
knows that he can have, and he's had like a version of it, right? He did again score those 40 points. And in the last game, he had 28, eight and 18. So like, it's not like he's that far off. It's just, I, I, I do think the way that he scores it is going to be important here. And, and, um, yeah, if he, if he can physically, if he's physically able to do it, I would love to see him, especially with Denver going to more stuff with Aaron Gordon on the bench and Michael Porter Jr. is the four. If Nikola Jokic is their only rim protection and the other guy next to him is Michael Porter Jr., my Anthony Davis needs to feast. He needs to see barbecue chicken in there. LeBron needs to feast in the same way. And... Uh, look, that is, I think, Denver's final counter here. I don't know how much they have beyond playing Michael Porter Jr. at the four. So if the Lakers can kind of figure that out and punish them for that approach while the Lakers are on offense and keep Denver out of transition, then they can win this one. And if you overcome the other team's final counter, there's potentially something to build on beyond that too. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, though. Uh, even while, you know, the Lakers might win this one. And then you look ahead and you say, well, you know, maybe just maybe you could win number five. You could win game five and you get it back home. You can maybe win back home and you can go from there, right? Uh, That's a lot of ifs. And what the Lakers have to focus on here is this one in front of them. And look, um, uh, this is not analytical or anything like that. This is this is purely talking point. This is purely narrative, right? But these Lakers have gone through, and specifically like LeBron and AD, and some of the other guys who like are, you know, Lonnie, I guess, has been here all season, and Schroeder, you know, has been here all season, um, Austin Reeves, right? Those guys have been here all year, and they started the year with Russell Westbrook on the roster. And Patrick Beverly on the roster, and Kendrick Nunn on the roster, and um, you know Nunn is a perfect kind of perfect summary of the amount of hope that we all had coming into the season. It was bleak, you know. They start two and ten, and you're looking at another wasted LeBron season. Um, things just keep getting worse and worse and worse, and finally, right before the trade deadline, you, you it was just positively untenable, right? The Lakers decided, doesn't matter what it's going to look like, got to get this guy out of here. Russell Westbrook gets traded away. Before that, the Lakers send away Kendrick Nunn, and they bring in Rui Hachimura. Um, And more on on Hachimura and Reeves here in a second. But uh, those, you know, those guys that have been here from the start of the season to now, Wenyan, Troy Brown, those guys also, I guess, uh, are included in this. But, like, those... Lakers who have been around all of this all season have seen like rock bottom in terms of NBA seasons and certainly uh, fought their way back, right? Even before the trade uh, deadline, you started to see some progress there and you started to see some fight despite, again, suboptimal circumstances. And then they make the trades and looks like things are really turning around. D'Angelo Russell comes in. He's playing really well. Malik Beasley appears to be playing really well. And and you're looking at like, wow, hope? What? I can't believe I just went full, like, what's the guy? Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. Um, no, I, it was, it was, 
well, I remember this. This is why I bet the Lakers way back when I did to win a championship at, at the odds that I got them at. Um, but yeah, I, I, I recall back then looking at that situation and saying like, wow, like, you know, D'Angelo Russell can operate as like a secondary ball handle. He also spaces the floor, some defensive questions there, but you know, you, you cross that bridge when you get there and then you can, maybe Malik Beasley comes in. He's like, he's gotta be one of the best shooters that the Lakers have ever had. And certainly in the LeBron and, and AD era, that Jared Vanderbilt switchy. Rui Hachimura looks like really physical in, in ways that the Lakers just haven't had a guy like that in a little while. Maybe, you know, they start winning and not just winning, but they were beating the shit out of teams with all of their rotation. You're like, wow, this might actually be something. Bang, just like that. LeBron gets hurt. Bang, just like that. D'Angelo Russell gets hurt. And it's on AD, who is himself hobbled too, remember back then. The entire time he's playing well, you're like, you know, you're a snap away from this season being completely in the shitter. But no, he keeps it together. The Lakers do enough to be competitive enough and and fight their way despite a long LeBron absence, uh, another long long LeBron absence. Um despite D'Angelo Russell like the weirdness about whether he would or wouldn't play and how hurt was he and all that stuff and 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 some of the kind of whispers that surrounded that situation they still overcame all of that and still got into the playing game and yeah they played a shorthanded minnesota team but they beat minnesota right and then they go into again yeah a a shorthanded memphis team but look the lakers have been together for like four hours before that series so and certainly when you when you take into account how much time you know some of those guys had had missed even after the trade deadline and and, and in that time trying to figure all this out on the fly uh yeah the lakers were had been together for like four business days and they were trying to win playoff series against you know a team that had an identity and yes it was a shorthanded identity and and steven adams would have really helped in that series and brandon clark is 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 still really effing good but yeah, the Lakers still beat them and beat them handily. Like by the end of that series, Memphis was done. Like that was hardly competitive there at the very end. And then, you know, same thing, Golden State, you know, semi like a weird, really weird season that they had where you had the whole dream on punch thing and you had uh, Andrew Wiggins stepping away for however long he was gone and um, they were terrible on the road and, and all this stuff, but they were still the reigning champs. And by the time that the Lakers faced them, you know, they they had a rotation of, of you know, solid playoff players. And again, by the end of that series, the Lakers had beaten the shit out of them. They, they ended their season and potentially their dynasty to, the, to such an extent that Steph Curry was like on the bench with a towel over his head for the entirety of the fourth quarter. So to go from that, like the, the beginning of the season and a training camp that felt super weird, an off season that felt super weird, a beginning part of the season that felt super weird as, as everybody knew that the Lakers needed to trade Russell Westbrook and the roster was built with a Russell Westbrook trade in mind and you had to go through all of that bullshit and, and you had to 
scratch and claw to get yourself into the position to ha- like have a chance at going on a run like this. Like this is a super resilient bunch. This is a this is a group that I am I am not going to forget anytime soon, you know. And even as I kind of start to look at the offseason to come and potential moves that the Lakers look to make, even if like, you know, this is the last game that, you know, or the last couple games that D'Angelo Russell plays as a Laker again, I'm going to remember this run. Maybe, you know, even even given how disappointing Malik Beasley was in the postseason, I'm still going to remember, you know, the stuff that he did to help put the Lakers in the spot in the first place. Um, and, and even if this means like, look, the, the, if this, if this run is it, as it pertains to LeBron and AD, you know, pushing for, for a championship in Lakers uniforms, because their bodies just won't let them continue at LeBron's advanced age and AD's advanced AD-ness. Like, yeah, I, I, I really think I'm going to remember this team and look back on them extremely fondly and say, yeah, that was I nobody had any inkling that they had this kind of like enough of a run to get into the playoffs. I remember like a month before the the season was over, the Lakers were like two to one underdogs to even get into the playoffs. Right. Um, I bet that 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 paid for some some donuts there for Avery. And and yeah, like you, you look at you look at this season and and I just find it really difficult to believe that the Lakers are going to go out with a sweep here and lose their final game of the season at home in front of a fan base that has been waiting for any reason whatsoever to believe. And in those games, in these playoffs to this point, when the Lakers have been playing well, you know, that building has been rocking. So, yeah, I, 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 I still, I am a homer, I am biased, but... Uh, I just find it really hard to believe that these guys are just going to to lay down and and lose in a sweep to any team, um, and 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 especially at home. And now look, it might not be a matter of laying down. Denver is just better. Like that has been the case coming into the the playoffs. It has it was the case coming into the series. Don't let Mike Malone or anybody there from the the Nuggets fool you. They are the better team in this series. It is it is objectively true that those guys are just better. And if the Lakers come, you know, somehow pull off some miraculous comeback here and win four straight, it will be a legit miracle. Um, because I, I I still think Denver is, is just that much better. And and it might just be that the Lakers lose tonight, and it wasn't a matter of them laying down the way that we're watching with Boston. Shouts to Miami for for like giving me some kind of like. joy right now but but yeah it might just be that denver wins and they were just better and that much better to win four in a row however they had to win four in a row but yeah i i just find it really hard to to envision that happening all right uh we are fast approaching rumor season and rumors are already starting to swirl as the lakers head into an offseason that is going to feature all kinds of decisions on guys that they are either going to try to keep, try to resign, maybe try to move and upgrade from. The Lakers clearly need some upgrades here and there. Um, even as much as I would love to believe that a healthier LeBron and a healthier AD and some more time and some continuity here, 
might help D'Angelo Russell be better in this spot next year or might help Malik Beasley be better in this spot or Jared Vanderbilt be better in the spot. I would love to believe that, but I also think that some some upgrades are are on the way. Um, the Lakers are going to have a draft pick in the first round in uh, you know in, in a month or so that I would imagine they're going to use on draft night. Um, they're, they're certainly going to use it either on a player or in some kind of a trade. They have another draft pick beyond that that they could potentially move as well. So um, it is worth kind of at least quickly addressing some of these rumors. So let's start with the players who are reportedly certainly coming back, um, depending on who you're listening to. So Adrian Wojnarowski and Dave McMenamin uh, had a chat about the Lakers options here moving forward and both stressed that they both believe that Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves are going to be back next year. Um, Mark Stein wrote on his Substack that the Lakers, um, you know, are anticipating an offer higher than they would maybe like it to be, but that is very different from they are anticipating an offer that they are not going to be able to match. I w- I would be shocked and appalled <laughs> if the Lakers did all this work to develop Austin Reeves and then just let him walk in the same way that they let Alex Caruso walk, only to watch him become a first-team all-league defender. So um, that is good to know. Rui Hachimura, same kind of thing, man. He is currently the Lakers' fourth-best player, would almost certainly be a starter next year at the beginning of the season. Um, I, I guess it kind of depends on on the direction that the Lakers take here. I could kind of see them pursuing a center, and then in that case, Rui would maybe come off of the bench and and play um, some four next to uh, AD or whatever. But but regardless, like I I yeah I, I would be uh, shocked, and so would Woj and Dave McMenamin be shocked if Rui was was able to, to, to walk away. And I believe he also is a restricted free agent. So the Lakers are going to be able to match any offer that, that comes in there. And yeah, it's going to push them, you know, probably deeper into the luxury taxes than maybe they were hoping. But that is only happening because of this playoff run. And by the way, this playoff run should help pay for some of those luxury taxes that um, that 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 might be you know, the additional luxury taxes that they might be incurring. Um, and again, like the fact that they are, they might have to pay some of those additional luxury taxes. It's those, it's one of those situations where it's like, yeah, I mean, we, you're technically, you're paying more, but it's because these guys played so well throughout the playoffs. And in that case, you just reward that kind of stellar play in the postseason. So um, yeah, Woj and McMenamin are both saying that both Rui and Reeves are are almost certainly going to be back in LA next year. Good to hear. The next one is where this gets kind of tricky, right? We've talked about D'Angelo Russell and how bad he's been in the series. He has really been up and down throughout these playoffs. He's had some stellar moments. He's also had some stinker moments. Uh, and in this series, it has just been nonstop stinker moments, basically. So um, that being like the 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 taste in your mouth that the that the Lakers are going to have heading into the postseason is certainly going to complicate things a little bit. But, you know, if we're going to say that the Lakers are, you know, prepping to pay more for guys because they overperformed or outperformed expectations in the postseason, 
then that should probably swing back the other way on somebody who underperformed, right? And maybe D'Angelo Russell is going to be a little bit cheaper than than um, maybe we thought heading into these playoffs as once again we find out this guy just hasn't been able to succeed in that spot. So um, the Russell thing, you know, right when they traded for him, there was a lot of talk about extensions and, and, and stuff like that and uh, mutual interest in him coming back or whatever. And I, I don't think that is necessarily fully changed. I think both sides are still interested in, in, in continuing this working relationship together. It just gets a little tricky when Russell plays the way that he has. And, um, and you know, if you go into next season and you essentially sign this guy to a $20 million deal and you do so without confidence that this guy's going to be able to play in the in the postseason, that makes you a little nervous. Certainly, if you're signing him for uh, twenty million or more per year over a series of years, that's where you really start to get. Uh, I get pretty squeamish at the notion of paying D'Angelo Russell long term money. So, and, and that's before you count the stuff. Yeah, stuff is how I'll phrase it that uh that we all went through when he would work out you know break a sweat in in uh warm ups and stuff and then just not play so and that was while the lakers were pursuing a playoff spot so yeah i think uh that is going to be an interesting one i would predict that he is back either by way of a new contract that you know, he rides out through to the deadline when maybe they rethink some stuff or that they uh, sign and trade him. But I, I, they can't afford to lose him for nothing. And uh, he doesn't have a market where I'm necessarily all that terrified of, of losing him for nothing. The last one here, this is where it gets kind of interesting. We haven't seen any rumors on it quite yet. But um, Chris Paul, I was looking at the odds for like his future. And if he isn't going to be a son, the uh, team with the highest odds or the best odds at bringing him in is the Lakers. And normally, I just kind of roll my eyes at stuff like this. We've seen it with Kyrie Irving. We've seen it with all these other stars. The Lakers are such a public team that betting on them to get a star tends to work out, right? Um, and But all that said, this is quite a bit different in that uh, Chris Paul is... Almost certainly, I, I keep using that that phrase, but it seems like a trade is inevitable as Phoenix just doesn't have very many other avenues to improve their roster, their very expensive roster. And um, he has this partial guarantee in his contract that you know he can be traded and essentially waived or bought out and he would become a free agent. And uh, look, I am not the biggest Chris Chris Paul guy. Uh, I'm just going (laughs) to cop to that right now. But Chris Paul on the minimum, essentially, or or Chris Paul on one of your exceptions is uh, something that I don't think the Lakers will be able to turn down. Even as they try to get younger, and they have been really focused on getting younger here, um, and and that was one of their their high priorities uh, back at the trade deadline, also, interestingly, like when you're saying you're trying to get younger, younger players tend to be cheaper, and that helps some of your luxury tax stuff. But um, if the Lakers have an opportunity to bring in Chris Paul on the minimum, 
I am pretty confident in them taking that opportunity. So that is another thing to watch. But look, I am hoping that we can put off all of this talk for at least another game. And that all depends on the Lakers taking care of business tonight. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Make sure you check out the conversation I had with Raj uh, earlier yesterday. Um, It is probably already on your feed right now where we react to Game 3 and look ahead to Game 4 and and the chances that we see in them, you know, moving beyond Game 4. And then we also have kind of a tough conversation about D'Angelo Russell, which, you know, uh, it is tough because... I have really enjoyed watching him in this new stint here with the Lakers, but, you know, what are you going to do? you got to play better. And the Lakers are are out of time when it comes to waiting for, for Russell to, to figure it out. So, uh, yeah, that is, a, that is a fun conversation there. And as always, after tonight's game, Raj and I will be here to recap it and react to it and hopefully take in, you know, maybe one last playoff win. So until then, and until the next time I talk to you, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.